is the Better Life, Better Work show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm an intuitive life and business coach here to help you create better life and better work. I help super successful people, you know, the recovering overachievers, put the soul back in their lives, and I help soulful people create success. On this show, topics range from the mystic to the logistic, and our content will support your being and your doing while on your path to create better life and better work. More is not better. Better is better. Hello, podcast listeners. I have a present for you today. I'm excited to have this episode be a super solely feature with my longtime both private... She was a private client. And then she has been um, a super solely for a while now. Her name is Randy Radul, And she is from Canada and the founder of Paradigm Shift Coaching. That website is paradigm shift dot ca as a canadian and i have her here today we're going to be talking um we're just going to let the conversation flow but she specializes um she's a she is one of my handful of clients that um still lives and works in the corporate world and does corporate trainings but from a relational level she's um a certified luminous spark facilitator is that right is that the proper terminology? Yeah, facilitator <laughs> Spark is one of a handful of tools that I use with clients. Oh, thank you. Can't keep it all great. But um, I love my journey with you was like this. I remember doing a $7,000 offering and you took me up on it. We had this one-on-one relationship. And then one year, this registration for Camp Starheart came through. And I was like, no way, right? Because you weren't super, you're not like super Facebook. You're there, but you're not as much as those of us who don't work in the corporate world. We're all over it. And all of a sudden this registration came through and I was so excited to get to meet you in person. And you came to Camp Starheart and I watched you fall in love with yourself and the community of Solis and the people. And it's been so fun um, to see some of the gals come. Y'all travel to see each other. You've come to retreats and just really... So in my mind, you went from this not just one-on-one client and beloved client, but you also became such a thread woven through the community. And that means a lot to me. So I'm excited to share Randy Redul with y'all today. And um, just acknowledging that we are at the, this, the recording of this is at the end of March and the beginning of April in the midst of the COVID-19 global pandemic. And um, so what I love is that without even, you know, we knew that talking about relationships would um, be really helpful for you at home or at work. Um, and many of you are working at home right now. So Randy, what's on your heart today? Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my first podcast that I'm a guest on. I've been uh, in the last year, I've done television interviews and uh, speaking engagements, and I've never actually been on a podcast. So thank you for being my first podcast. Hopefully, uh, there'll be a few more in my future. I look forward to, uh, to this adventure today. On my heart and uh, on my mind today, well, as we were just chatting about uh, before we went live, I'm feeling um, proud uh, is one of how we as uh, Canadians are handling our COVID crisis. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I'm feeling grateful that uh, I have this time at home. I have three children and um, a business that wasn't online before this crisis, but I've managed to leverage my relationships with my clients and have them trust me to take our training and our coaching work on a platform that they haven't used before, which is primarily the Zoom platform and over the phone. So I feel very grateful for that ability to pivot uh, very quickly from an in-person relationship to an online relationship. And uh, I feel a sense of um, optimism that in this time that we are um, all moving through the change curve um, at different points that um, I feel optimistic that there's some great lessons and learning and healing that can happen as we band together as a community online and in person. Well, not really in person, but in country and, um, and support each other through this unprecedented time that we're going through right now. I love, and from what I know about you too, you know, you're still working in this corporate world, but you mentioned just in, in stepping into the room today, relationships a few times, right? You've been able to leverage your relationships and help these clients and, and because you lead with your heart. And I think a lot of times the corporate world gets a bad rap from those of us who left it with resentment. Um, but there really are leaders like you who are relationship first. And I know you have a bit of a story um, about how that came about. So I'd love to... We'll go into the story in a minute, but tell me some of your... um, The way you see these relationships in corporate that I I love, right? We even have something change. And instead of it just being a transactional, oh, we're going to all shift to Zoom, like they really trust you. Yes. So it was the trust that I have uh, built over time with these clients that are, is enabling that quick pivot to be able to transact in a new way and to take our relationship into a new uh, platform. And Mm -hmm. I think um, it comes from the fact that I see all of the relationships that I have with my clients and before I left the corporate world, I viewed this as well with my team and is their intimate relationships. So we get super close to the people that we work with. We know about their families. Um, we know about their cycles of behavior throughout the year. You know, we can see and get to know them like we get to know our partner at home or our family members. And so I come to my corporate relationships with that understanding that these are special uh, and intimate relationships and intimate, of course, you know, I mean, close one-to-one type of, um, relationship and, uh, where we just, we care and honor for the whole person. Yeah. It's relational. I catch myself. This is like a good sobering moment for me, especially when I'm in problem solving mode and in communication, my husband, I was, I was responding to a text or something for him. And he was like, you're so cold. And I can get very transactional, especially in email or text, um, which is so funny because in real life, I'm like, let's breathe together. You know, we get on the Zoom and I want to hear how hard your, how your heart is. But it's, you know, when we're communicating professionally with our clients, um, I remembering that the person, there is a human being 
with not only a mind and a job to do, but a heart and a life on the other end of that communication. Absolutely. It's um, super important to keep front of mind that we're, we're working with people and not just uh, to-do lists, tasks, project plans. And I, I think in my work world, I always saw that I was dealing... No, actually, actually that's not even true. As I go back to the very beginning of my career, I was very task-focused. I was operating from a masculine energy point of view. And while I think I had an energy that was fun to work with, I didn't really think too much about the relationships. Um, I had uh, a record of career success because I got shit done and um, kept people enrolled and motivated. But I had some early management feedback that perhaps I wasn't considering the people as much as I should be. Now, being a people-focused person as a default, but thinking that I was playing the right kind of role in the corporate world, getting that feedback really pierced me (laughs) and uh, caused me to rethink and analyze and research how to be more relational and be a better partner in relationships at work. Um, But that actually even got taken to a whole new level when I was uh, bopping along, succeeding at work and having a great career while also being married fairly young. And um, well, fairly young at 22, I, uh, I got married to my high school sweetheart and that's pretty young. It's pretty young, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and the communication style and the relationship skills that I was building at work and using at work, I didn't know how to shift to home. And so I wasn't feeding my relationship at home the way I was feeding my relationships at work. And uh, the moment of, uh, of truth came about eight years into my marriage when my husband told me that he wasn't interested in continuing the marriage anymore. And uh, we went into two years of pretty intense marriage counseling where I got to learn a whole new set of skills about how to build relationships at work and at home. And my marriage counselor in the middle of that suggested to me that I study formally relationship coaching. And, uh, and that was one of the, the pivotal moments for me to embrace a new career, leave my corporate finance career and actually become a, what I call a life leadership and relationship coach. Hmm. So what does that look like now with your clients? So today I work with leadership teams, primarily mm-hmm. intact teams. I take them on a leadership development journey whereby we have a, a plan for a year to two years on leadership skills that I'm going to teach them. But I also get involved with their teams, usually as the facilitator of their strategic planning session. So I can see them in their natural habitat, if you will, and uh, outside of the leadership (laughs) development workshops. I get to know them personally through private um, executive coaching. And so it's a three-pronged approach to getting inside the team and inside the the lives of the participants and getting to know what motivates them, getting them to know, getting to know what some areas of communication and leadership development they really need to work on. And uh, I, I feel developing very authentic relationships that transcend often our work commitments. I've got clients that I've worked with 
many years ago that I, I still keep in touch with. And uh, we have sessions every once in a while because it's a, it's a deep connection that we create that we can um, always go back to, to um, continue to grow, you know, as I grow and I have more to share, I'm able to bring my clients to new places. So I feel very grateful that we tend to stay in touch um, far long after the uh, formal engagement ends. So take us another layer deeper into the the translation from this marriage therapy to how these relationship skills are impacting your clients. I, I, I guess what I think too, like I, I think back to my corporate facilitation days and sometimes it's like, when we had those facilitating meetings and they bring me in, I don't have long relationships with them. At the end of it, you know, we go through all this and it's like I would walk out the door going, they're going to do nothing with this. It's just, it was just like my, it's like my husband says, <laughs> he's like, they put us in some training just to say we did the training. Uh-huh. And I know from coaching people that the training really isn't the meat. The meat is this interpersonal, human, um, psychological, spiritual. It's self-leadership. You know, I know um, we have a coach and friend in common, and she always talks about self-leadership. So uh, just take us another layer deeper into some of the stuff you teach your people that would benefit our audience members. Okay, great. Um that's going to require a breath. <laughs> That's okay. The very first word that uh, comes to my mind when you put that ask out to me just now was vulnerability. Mm. And so I teach my clients how to be professional and vulnerable. And I do that by first helping them to become self-aware. And that's where the luminous spark comes in. That's one of the tools that Uh I use to help them become self-aware. I also help them to bolster their confidence. So to know what they truly offer to their team to make it a high-performing team. I also hold space and provide a lot of compassion for what we would refer to as their shadow sides or maybe the sides of their Uh personality that they find less desirable to demonstrate or show in a a corporate setting and really give it a voice, that shadow side of voice, so that we can make peace or understand how it's used to protect or how we can leverage that uh, shadow side at work. And then when they're really comfortable with who they are, they have a, an opportunity to show up as vulnerable leaders without feeling as um, exposed, if you will. Now, remember, I'm working with the whole team when I'm doing this work. And so we're, we're all coming from that place of being um, vulnerable together and recognizing that everyone's comfort with being vulnerable will be um, coming to the surface at a different point, but holding space for mm-hmm. that. Um, one of the 
the best ways to get the team to be vulnerable is for me to be vulnerable. And so I show up as a, as a role model in the vulnerability department <laughs> and, uh, yeah. um, and I, truthfully, Allison, I learned a lot of that from you showing up more uh, vulnerable and, and accepting that those elements of vulnerability. So I brought that into my work. And it's paying big dividends in terms of how many people I'm able to serve and the level of change that I'm helping them to create in their teams. Mm. But seeing each other, Joe, I was just going to say, seeing each other as real people that have strengths and weaknesses, if you want to use that word, shadow sides or less desirable aspects of themselves, um, allows them to be relatable. And then I teach them relationship skills of how to interact with those different aspects of ourselves when we're in the meeting room together. And, um, and I hold a lot of compassion for those moments when our communication is not so masterful. And I, I do provide feedback in the moment and an opportunity to redirect. So those are, those are some of the ways that I use those relationship skills to work with my clients. I love that. When, whenever I hear you say the word vulnerability, when I hear different people say it, I interpret it. But I keep hearing human, <laughs> maybe because that's what it means to me and you're a reflection of our work together and you. But I, I know in my own, um, when I was a young leader, when I was a growing leader and had leaders in front of me, one of the things that was so very frustrating was the dissonance between what was on stage and what was behind the scenes, what was in the marketing, what was in the leadership communication, and what was real. And my brain, even as a young person, was like, this doesn't make sense. There's no humanness. There's, there was this trying to be so perfect. And, and so as followers or as the team, as a team member, we could never live up to what was up on stage. It wasn't humanly possible. And so that was, I realized that part of what I came to do in my own little circles, which I, I, I love hearing this. I haven't really heard that. And thank you for the acknowledgement. I know I'm not the first one who did it, but like, what if we could be human and not just be human, but learn how to deal and how to communicate through other and how to have self-compassion and compassion for others when they're in their humanness and then move through that in a useful way, right? So like not dismissing the shadow or the, you know, difficult emotions or, you know, the, the shitty communication, because in the past, like when I would shitty communicate, I would just be like, I'm out and I would leave, right? And then people would get so offended by my shitty communication and then there was a rift that could never be healed. Instead of looking at somebody like right now, one of the things I see that psychologists say is like, give everybody a little bit of extra room. The whole globe's nervous system is freaking the fuck out. And so you got to give a little bit more space. And I notice like I'm I'm a little more thin than usual. And so giving that, um, I, I just I've noticed that I breathe when I hear you talk. And I breathe when I think about leaders and teams and 
you know, being able to solve a problem. I think of us as problem solvers, as human beings. <laughs> um, it's not that it's problem focused, but we're here to create better life and better work. That's what this show is about too. That's um, And so as leaders, a lot of times we're brought into organi- organizations to help them do better, create more, function better. And how can we... If we're not laying everything out on the table, how can I can't imagine trying to go like fix a car without seeing the whole problem or not even the whole problem, the whole lay of the land. And so I just, I think human beings are so neat. I'm babbling now, but it makes me excited to hear and really get a picture um, from you about being in these corporate environments and bringing this to them. And it makes me happy that leaders are embracing this, that leaders are willing to be human for their followers. It's something I wanted so bad when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I was like, I don't see it, so I got to create it. So two, And sometimes I feel crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, two, two quick things I wanted to um, just add to that uh, riff that was awesome. The first one is um, when you are authentic and you're showing up as an authentic leader, and I know you know this, I'm just sharing it, that it's happening in the corporate world as well, is um, you build trust. Build trust. Mm-hmm. So you showing up as your authentic self on Facebook Lives created uh, an ability for me to like, know, and trust you without ever meeting you. And the same thing is true, of course, in the corporations. If I can work with the leaders that I'm working with to show up authentically and show the good and the bad and, you know, always showing the bad with some kind of optimism or um, an opportunity to, to change and grow and, and share that with the community. They become trustworthy humans that the teams want to work for. And mm-hmm. so I was once told by a, where, a very wise a friend of mine that if you get their heart, you'll have their hands. And I feel like you mm-hmm. get their heart by um, building that relationship, that trusting relationship. So if they can see that, you know, you are human and you do have your shortcomings, then they, they know who they're going to get. They know that they're getting a real person, that you're relatable. The second thing I wanted to say is when I started this uh, corporate coaching gig, I really thought that I was going to go and eradicate bad bosses. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I have had the experience <clears throat> of what I would have considered 10 years ago, a bad boss. And I really wanted to go and help those bad bosses. So the bad boss to me is someone who's insecure, who doesn't give you all the information, but asks you to complete a task, who helps you, um, does not help build you up, but rather makes you feel small. And um, I've learned two things. One, I have a lot of compassion for those bad bosses nowadays, which mm-hmm. I didn't before. I wanted to eradicate them after all. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> That's so true. And the second thing is that I've learned is that bad bosses don't hire me. They don't. They actually don't think that they need me. <laughs> So um, that's a really interesting learning that I have uh, found is that the people that hire me are already pretty good, have a pretty good handle on leadership and they want to be better or they have a good handle on leadership and they want to share that with their whole team, but they can't 
take the time to coach each one of them individually in addition to delivering the tasks or the, the projects or the, the business objectives that they have in front of them. So they ask me to come in and support them. So that's, that's a, like, I'm having my own insights about that. You know, I, I used to notice that bad bosses would hire, especially directly under them, First of all, somebody that would never outshine them and somebody that would never challenge them, but that also wasn't necessarily effective. They were like the little puppets. And so it's interesting because I did have some of these people. I had some of these people that their people hired me (laughs) and it was my experience as a team member was like, I did the job so well, but it was a both and situation, right? It was like, she does this really good job, but she, we can't control her. And um, it was the outshining the master. So I think that's fascinating that they didn't hire you and it makes so much sense. And, and I also do love, and my daddy helped me with this. Like when I left that world, he was like, just going to burn a hole in your heart until you just say, God bless them. And that was my way of having compassion because if I got in my thoughts, I would spend too long. But it was like when I can, even now, when I see where my anger is directed to look at it with a compassionate lens, they must really be hurting. They must be really scared. And then I had to release my self-responsibility for not being the one to fix them. <laughs> well, and the thing that I want to say to anyone that might be a bad boss out there is I can help you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to help you with helping you to realize what your strengths really are and what you can bring to your work team and help you feel more secure and get mm. the best out of your team. So I'd love to work with those bad bosses of my past. And, um, and just help them because I do believe that their intentions are not to keep you small. Their, their intentions are not to be a mediocre team. Their intentions are to succeed. They just don't have the tools. Yeah, they don't wake up and say, I'd like to screw with everybody's life and be a bad... I think I'll be a bad boss today. Yes, right? exactly. And I also think that part of the becoming is recognizing for all of us, not just... It's like, where have I failed as a leader? I've totally failed as a leader. I've totally... I called a client recently, a couple of years ago. I had a, I had a meltdown was a lot going on my parents there was a lot going on with my parents and I've been this spiritual speaker at this thing and, and I, for some you know it was one of those things where I just came and I spoke from my heart but my heart was too heavy to lead a whole room and I didn't create a compartment and so I ended up laying that on the table and it was awful. And I finally, it took me a while to realize that I had even done that. And so three years later, I finally just called and left a message and said, I'm sorry. I, I showed up really poorly for you guys. And I didn't even realize it until about a year or two later. And I've been too chicken to apologize. I don't need anything from you. I just want to acknowledge I sucked and I sucked for you, and I'm sorry. And so I think there is this, you know, there is grace in, you know, I shared the other day on Facebook, right, especially right now, like, we're going to screw up as leaders. Absolutely. And we got to lead anyway. We sure do. We got to lead anyway. So, and that's what that human just does, is it gives space for you know, you're giving space to the quote bad bosses, but the bad bosses have to start with realizing, like releasing the constriction 
pulling their heels out of the ground and saying, you know what, I can be and do better for myself, my team, and everybody that that impacts. And it's a learnable skill. I think that's one of the things too, really, I want to focus about you is that this is not just like, um, you know, it's not just our insight sitting in meditation and because we've become good beings, these are learnable skills. Absolutely. And you know that a lot of my um, work centers around self-awareness and understanding your personality and your leadership Mm -hmm. attributes and also your emotional intelligence through the lenses Mm -hmm. of those Lumina models that I use with my clients. And whether or not you agree with any personality assessment or leadership assessment or emotional intelligence assessment, the output, it opens a conversation around a framework. And when you can open that conversation around a framework, you can have, um, you can make quick improvements in your overall function and efficiency, as well as your communication style, because it gives you common language. And so that is uh, a really important aspect of leading, even through these challenging times, is having common language with your team so that you can expedite uh, communication. Mm -hmm. It also gives you common language for when times are hard or when you've screwed up, you have a common language to say, hey, you know, I was overextended if we use Luminous Speak. I was overextended and I was the hard taskmaster when really a people-focused leader was what was required. And show up and own it. Again, you build trust and own it. Yeah. I remember a girlfriend when we were uh, with our old company and they were like, it was almost like accountability day. And it was like, what did your clients do? What was their performance? What was their performance? And everything was about the, and I love math and I love numbers and I love the charts. And one of my colleagues said, don't you think to this, for this like review with our clients as they finish up, we could ask something like, was there anything outside that could have contributed So let's say your mother died or you were taking care of your husband or spouse with cancer to why you're like, is there anything else we need to know? And it was just such a human question that she brought to the table. And so I am, I am so grateful. It's so funny. I have these little moments that I remember, like that was just such a profound, um, well, and maybe that's the researcher in me from graduate school and undergraduate that I do want to see all... I can't make an assessment of something without a framework and without having kind of a 360... I know that's a corporate term. I don't even really know what it means. But without having the full... Not just even 360 degrees, but I want to have the whole matrix view. I want to have as much of the matrix as I can... Um, sure, you want to have the qualitative and the quantitative, right? It's um, yeah, yeah. Metrics are great, but they're just a communication tool. They're not the end all be all. Yeah. They shouldn't make all of your decisions. They're just there to facilitate communication. So I have three specific questions I want to ask you, and two are the two are that I asked my guests at the end of this show. But you had said something. So what I have my soulies do when they are a super soulie. Um, I they um, fill out a form to be on the podcast and we've rescheduled a couple times. But one of the things you said, and I just would like you to speak about this to a moment, was was impacting human suffering mm. through intimate relationships. And I just I know you had other topics on there, but I just want to hear a little bit about that 
um, from your heart. So that's somewhat dramatic statements came from one of my mentors when I first met her and she's the Canadian partner of Lumina Canada that um, I, I work with through uh, with my Lumina tools. And she said that we as coaches who help people to understand personality preferences and communication skills are ending human suffering. And at first I thought that it was a very dramatic statement and how could that possibly be true? But I can tell you from 10 years of experience now that by helping people to understand different personality types, the preferences that we have for our different communication styles and how we show up at work or in relationships um, is is mind-blowing in the sense that if we can separate a person's communication style from who uh, they are, who we are as the receiver of the communication, it really can end human suffering. I'll use an example to land this. It's uh, one of the qualities in the Lumina Spark portrait is tough. Well, how many people do you know in a workplace that are have no problem calling the elephant out in the room? They're the first to speak up and bluntly so to call out a problem. And so many times, those of us who are not particularly tough, I don't have a high tough score on my Lumina Spark portrait, we feel assaulted, we feel attacked, and it has nothing to do with us. That's their preferred communication style. That's their... That's my husband. Yes. And for years, he's just, I call him so, he's so gruff, right? Like, even this morning, I asked him, I was like, how are you doing with all this? And he was like, you never asked that. And then he went into like everybody else, how they're doing it wrong. And I was just like, that's why I don't ask because you're so gruff. <laughs> and I had to learn. Yes. I ha- it took me seven years in our marriage. It was like, oh, that's how he communicates. It's, and I'm receiving it as if it's personal. And it's, that was huge. So one of the okay, phrases keep going, that I, I just got, yeah. yeah, that's okay. One of the phrases that I use in my workshops is it's not personal. It's personality. Yeah. And so when we know that, you know, perhaps somebody becomes emotionally stressed, mm-hmm. emotionally, emotionally stretched, sorry, under certain mm-hmm. circumstances, or if somebody becomes very tough, or if they become lost in the details and shut down um, with analysis paralysis, it's not to be anything that we should absorb as a reflection of ourselves. It gives us information about the other person. And when we realize that, we really do reduce and work towards ending our human suffering in relationships. So remember that it's not personal, it's personality. I like that. And I do, I, you know, I have a cross section of personality profile training. I've done your, I'm going to have to go back and look at my Lumina Spark results. Um, I was trained in the DISC. I know a lot of my colleagues do the Enneagram and it is fascinating. The, um, the having the framework helps me understand myself. It also helps me understand how I've grown because I some of those areas when I would respond poorly under stress, like with with my husband. Now when he's like that, ninety eight percent of the time, when I'm not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. If I'm tired, it's a little bit more thin. But now I just. Oh, that's just Bill. But for the first seven years, man, I thought I had married the wrong guy. Like I could have destroyed my marriage over that. And and here's what's fun. We've been quarantined together for going on four weeks now. And 
I married the right guy, mm-hmm. right? But I, I had to not take his way of moving in the world personally. So it does, it lands for me. I hope it lands for the audience too, <laughs> but it's so true. And it's so funny to me because you know what? He would go, he'd go, I hate those personality tests. <laughs> they, they just put you in a box. Do y'all like my Bill impression? That's some really good shit. There. <laughs> they just put you in a box. I think that's a combination of some of his family members and him. And yet that's just, you know, he... We call him Oscar the Grouch, who has a delicious, soft, pink heart. But on the outside, he's a little crunchy. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, and I do think, I, I believe you. I believe your leader when, when we help our clients with self-awareness, and both for themselves and in the context of relationships and in the context, like that can go out the outer rings, right? And so in the context of relationships, in the context of the next layer out in communities and all the way to a global level, which we're really having to practice right now, um, we can relieve suffering. You know, when I quit taking Bill's stuff personally, we quit having knockdown, drag out fights. Building quit being Bill. I just quit taking it personally and reacting. And we don't have, we call it dust up now instead of blow up. And we used to have blow ups. And I now am mortified to say it was all my fault because <laughs> I was the one who would exacerbate it with my drama because I was taking things personally. And now our marriage does not suffer from that stuff. So totally good. It is pretty cool okay, that you my- just demonstrated that it really only takes one person with awareness to shift it. Yeah. It, well, and that, that's the other thing too, is I can't control him, right? I can't, I can't control my clients. I can't, like you said, even beforehand, you were like, it's interesting seeing my clients and how they're responding to this. And all I can really do is be the coach. I can't tell them what's true for them. And so the one person I can control is myself. And so um, taking ownership instead of taking other people's shit personally has saved me a thousand times. Love it. Okay. So my final two questions are about better life and better work. So I want one tip for... We're going to do it in reverse order because I like to end with life. So one tip for better work, whatever, like speed round, whatever comes off on the top of your head. Better work. So the person at work that is irritating the heck out of you, that you're struggling to connect with, I would give the tip of being curious about that person, not just the part that's annoying or irritating you, but being curious about who that person is, what's uh, what motivates them, what do you think their challenges are, and just open up your scope of view on that person by exercising a little bit of curiosity. Mm, I love that. And better life. Better life. Um, Taking a moment to become self-aware. So whether you use a personality assessment, whether you become self-aware by journaling every day and seeing what comes up for a month um, or asking for feedback from people that you care about, about some of your personality attributes. I think that becoming self-aware is one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself. It certainly helped me early on to own some of my strengths and to help me redirect my life onto a path that was more in, in alignment with who I want to be and uh, how I want to how I want to live and show up in the world. And so I think a life 
tip is to spend some time investing in yourself and becoming self-aware. I love it. Of course we love it too, because it's we've turned it into our business. <laughs> That's how much we love it though, right? Um, it is powerful. Um, so thank you for... I know we had just a short time today, but um, I have insights already. I have a shit-eating grin on my face on our little Zoom recording because I just... I, I think I started out just feeling some of the heaviness of circumstances and I feel the... Um, I feel the love and the relationship and the connection that we have. And then it's also really fun for me. I mean, we have been working in a group context more than an individual context recently because you're a solely. And so it's kind of fun. You know, I sometimes miss seeing the deeper elements and hearing about your team and what your actual boots on the ground now are in work. Um, yeah, so I just, I'm finishing this episode with a happy heart. Is there any specific offering you have um, that you want to put out to the audience? Oh, thank you for that. Um, I work primarily with corporations. So if you have a corporate team that is interested in some team building, I am becoming very quickly proficient in running workshops over Zoom. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> yeah. if you're an individual that wants to increase your confidence in leadership, I do run a small group confident leadership coaching circle. And I would love to talk to you about um, anyone that may be interested in participating in that to see if it's a good fit. Awesome. Thank you. And um, paradigm-shift dot ca is where to find you right yes but i'm more active on facebook and thanks to allison linkedin <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> i had a little block about posting on linkedin but i'm a linkedin uh, queen this uh, last month awesome <laughs> even hosting a webinar um, that was posted on linkedin there you go i get my I get my clients and my soulies sharing their heart and showing their work. And so thank you so much for spending time today. Um, you guys, the doors to soulful success are open right now, um, at least at the live recording of this. And they will by the time this is published um, as a new episode. And if you would like to have additional inner work and outer work support um, for your life, for your emotions, for your self-awareness, and for your business, um, you can find out more at coachingwithallison.com or coachwithallison.com or it's also soulfulsuccess.info. Um, yeah. So, Randy, thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All righty. As always, thanks for listening. Totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag Better Life, Better Work Show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better.